Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. Eric Musselman is the coach of the number 24-rated Nevada Wolfpack. Big win last night at Boise State uh, to uh, take a two-game lead in the loss column in the Mountain West. Uh, Eric, uh, what? Uh, you lost your point guard, I heard. Yes, Patrick, it's always good to come on with you, but we did lose uh, Lindsey Drew, who first first player that we recruited at Nevada and uh, his dad, a former NBA player, Larry Drew, and the former head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, and currently the associate head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. His son, Lindsey, who's a junior, went down at, at halftime shooting a half-court shot as the halftime Ooh, buzzer went man. off and tore his Achilles, and so he'll be out uh, for the season. And, and uh, you know, he's got a long road to recovery, but uh, he's got a great work ethic, and and someone that we think will be back for his senior year, and we're just going to hope and pray that he comes back even stronger than he than he than he was this year. And he's had a great year. He's one of the top assisted turnover players in the entire country, and and really is an extension of our coaching staff. He does such a great job of directing traffic as a, a point guard for us, and and we're going to miss him a lot. We have five games to play, three on the road, two at home, and then the Mountain West Conference tournament. So. Uh, we're going to have to do it by committee. We really don't have a true backup point guard, and uh, we only have seven scholarship players down the stretch, so it'll be important for us to really try to manage our guys' minutes and how we prepare for them in practice and not wear their legs out. Uh, you got Kendall Steven, the uh, the uh, Purdue kid who transferred out. Does he Can he take a little guard duty for you, or what's uh, what are you going to do with him? Yeah, Patrick, Kendall Stevens has been phenomenal for us. He can he can really stretch out the defense, and and he had a nice career at Purdue, and uh, we were fortunate enough last year to get him a, a, in the transfer year where we could work with him sitting out. He was phenomenal last night. He went seven to ten from the field and had 21 points and played 35 minutes. And most importantly, Kendall went six of eight from three balls. So, um, you know, just a guy who can really, really stroke the basketball, and obviously. You know, it was a really tough environment last night playing in front of 9,000-plus at Boise State. And when you play in the Big Ten, obviously, you know, it prepares you for a game like last night. And 
that's probably why he was one of our better performers, him and then both our transfers from NC State both had big nights, and I think it's because those guys coming from the ACC and the Big Ten, they're, they're, they're used to environments like that and winning on the road. Hey, uh, looking at your resume there, uh, when you played them way back in uh, November, December, you didn't know what you were getting with Rhode Island maybe, but that's a nice win. Hello, I Eric. You, Pat. Oh, yep, okay. I lost you for a second. I said uh, that's uh, you, you played them way back early in the year, but Rhode Island looks good on your resume right now, that win. Yeah, that's a big win for us, Patrick, and, and, and Rhode Island's a really good team. They might have the best guards in the entire country, and they've been on a roll the whole year, and with the way that the NCAA selection committee's doing things with their quadrant system, that's a quadrant one win, and it's a huge part of our resume, and you know, we had a game at Texas Tech that we were up almost the whole game, and Texas Tech's obviously a top ten team in the country. Hey, uh, Eric, uh, one real reason, I, uh, one good reason I want to get you on today, uh, Flip Saunders being honored tonight at uh, uh, Target Center. They're putting a banner in the rafters. I saw you uh, tweeted something out about your long relationship with Flip, and of course. Uh, you know, you were Bill Musselman's son, and Flip was kind of his surrogate son when he came in here as a as a point guard. The last two years, Bill was with the Gophers, and what were you? You were about ten years younger than Flip, right? I, I was Pat, and, and uh, you know, I remember him wearing number fourteen at the University of Minnesota. I remembered when he would go to shoot his jump shots, his knees would come together. Um, I can tell you exactly what his form looked like on his jump shot. He's somebody that I looked up to tremendously. And, uh, you know, obviously he played for my dad. And then we worked together with the Rapid City Thrillers and the old CBA. And, I mean, he's one of the all-time great basketball uh, X and O's coaches and just an unbelievable far ahead of his time as far as an offensive-minded coach. Uh, well, and you you had to be a little kid running around the Williams Arena floor and, uh, you know, never being a tall guy, you probably looked up to him as kind of a role model as a player, right? There's zero doubt I looked up to him as a role model growing up as a player and then obviously looked up to him when he was a coach as well. And, you know, I mean, he's just such a great guy. You, you think back to him doing his magic tricks and he was always full of positive energy and, I think that that's so neat and so cool that the Timberwolves are having a night for him. And, I mean, when you think about basketball legends in the state of Minnesota, um, nobody's above Flip Saunders, and that's, it's, a, it's a great way to honor him. And, and he's been such a part not just of the Timberwolves, but obviously of the Gopher uh, history as well. Well, it's amazing how your two careers have, uh, have uh, collided with one another through the years. Uh, you you were you an assistant for him in Rapid City because he coached there one year, then he left, and you coached Rapid City the next year in the CBA, and that set up a pretty good CBA rivalry, right, for six or seven years. It sure did. Actually, I was the general manager. Okay. Um, at at like twenty two years old, the Rapid <laughs> City team, and when I got the GM job, I called my dad and said, "What do I do? I don't know anybody. I have no connections." And my dad said one name, Flip Saunders. And Flip was an assistant coach at Tulsa at the time. Um, and, and so we were together for that one year in Rapid City. And then he went to lacrosse. And then that, that year that his first year in lacrosse, my first year coaching, we actually played each other in the CBA championship. And 
it was a heck of a series. Yeah, and then uh, you came to the Timberwolves for a year and then uh, went back to Rapid City, and he coached four more years in the uh, CBA, too. So uh, the way you two guys could go out and hustle up players, that uh, you, you had to be knocking heads there uh, all the all <laughs> way in the early 90s, huh? People didn't don't understand that in the 90s in the minor leagues, you, you really did have to recruit. And uh, obviously, Flip was a great recruiter at Golden Valley. And, uh, and then he took it right to the CBA, and you were always trying to convince guys why they should play in the minor leagues and pass up big money overseas. And nobody did it better than Flip, and, and we had some great, great rivalries and some great games. And I can tell you, for the most part, he came out on top, and, and, uh, and he was a great, great coach, and, and, uh, and, and, and his players loved him. I think that's the one thing about Flip is sometimes you'll get a handful of guys that like playing for a certain coach, but then you have a bunch of guys that don't enjoy it. And the thing is with Flip players, they really, really enjoy playing under Flip Saunders. Uh, Eric Musselman's with us. Nobody had a book with players' names in it from all over the world like your dad did, though. I mean, that thing was unbelievable. <laughs> Just think if he'd been around in the cell phone era where he could have kept everybody's uh, number and actually gotten a hold of them with one phone call. It'd be unbelievable. Well, Pat, let's all be glad that my dad didn't have a cell phone <laughs> because we know the phone calls not only to me but to you and anybody else that was attached to him would have been getting phone calls in the middle of the night, which we got anyhow, even without cell phones. You've been in the uh, back in the uh, in the college game actually for the first uh, time since uh, 2012, a uh, couple of years uh, at Arizona, and then uh, LSU for a year. Uh, and are you getting comfortable with it? I really am, Pat. I love it. You know, I I. I I had a plan when I when I got released from the Sacramento Kings. I got to do three years of TV, uh, figuring out the college game. I did a lot of West Coast TV college games and would go to shoot-arounds and study different programs. And then I spoke to teams when they came and played on the West Coast um, on their off days. And then I ended up going two years at Arizona State and worked under Herb Sendak. And then I went to LSU to work under Johnny Jones for a year. And so... I had the three years of doing media, learning the college game, and then another three years as an assistant. So I actually had six years of preparation for when I was given an opportunity. And without those years and experience of being an assistant coach, I don't think it's, I think it's virtually impossible for a coach to go straight from the NBA to the college game. And I feel lucky that I have a patient wife who kept telling me, hey, hang in there, keep learning the game, have patience. Um, and then I kind of figured out the recruiting aspect and, and, and how I would formulate my recruiting uh, process and, and what I felt was important uh, in putting together a program. And so through six years of preparation, I was ready when given the opportunity at Nevada. Hey, Eric, uh, you've, you've had a lot of transfers that have done really well for you. Uh, what is your feeling if the NCAA decides to allow a one free transfer uh, not sitting out. What will that do to college basketball? I'm not for it, Pat, at, at all. You know, and, and, and look at Nevada. I mean, we've had, four, we've had four players sitting out in each of my three years. So uh, we believe in transfers, obviously, because uh, they, they, they've proven to be uh, excellent players with a track record when you get them. 
Um, and we've also sprinkled in two freshmen each year with those transfers. But I think the rules that, that are currently set up are good rules. Um, you know, I think that uh, if you do leave, that, that, that the sit-out year can be good for the player and for the program. I certainly think that one year um, of, of player development can do nothing but help guys mature physically, emotionally, scholastically um, as they try to integrate into a new system and a new school. So for, in my opinion, I think the, the current system is, is, is a good way uh, for both player and for the university or the program, and I think that's how it should be. It should be student-friendly, student-athlete-friendly, as well as uh, what's good for the overall university. Well, Eric, if they uh, allow, you know, they can say all they want about how clean the system has to be if you get free transfers, but uh, they're creating a quagmire that will compare with the uh, big-time recruiting uh, that we've seen now, I-, I think. You're just giving, you know, if if you're a good kid who wants to leave someplace and you can walk right in, they're going to have uh, they're going to have agents and everybody uh, trying to get in on the action, I'm afraid. Well, the one thing for sure is just, I mean, right now, currently, there's there's over 800 every year. And so, um, you know, 800 is a lot of, of yes. players that, that are moving around. And, and uh, you know, you would hope that, you know, that that number would, 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 would stay or, or certainly not continue to rise. Hey, uh, good luck. And it was kind of fun the other night. I turned on the TV and Brian Dutcher was coaching against Eric Musselman. That was uh, pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, you talk about a small world, obviously, <laughs> looking down there. When I was a little kid, probably in fourth grade, I was leaving Minnesota as Dutch was coming in with his dad, and, and a lot of great Minnesota ties for sure. All right, Eric. Hey, good luck the rest of the Mountain West regular season, sir. Win another title. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate you having me on. All right, Eric Musselman, who uh, really is uh, connected, to, connected at the hip to flip because uh, Bill Musselman, brought in uh, uh, Flip for his last two years there. So Flip was a freshman on the 73-74 team, and then uh, they weren't real good that year. And then uh, 74-75, they were really good. And uh, that, uh, you know, Flip, but, you know, he was a small guy from Ohio. Bill was a small guy from Ohio. Bill had an affinity for him, you can't believe. And then Eric, of course, was a little kid running around Williams Arena at the time. And he and Flip competed against each other like crazy in the CBA, but uh, really, uh, really joined at the hip guys for their whole career. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back here in a moment. Timberwolves and the Lakers. I guess they chose the Lakers maybe as the uh, opponent for this game just because of their history and maybe their Minneapolis history to be the uh, the uh, rival team on the night that uh, Flip Saunders gets honored at Target Center with a banner. Uh, certainly an uh, extremely popular guy. He didn't really take much heat as the coach of this. You could get some when they, uh, he coached the Timberwolves for 10 years and uh, you know, the only guy who's ever coached him in the playoffs they lost the first seven in the first round and there was some whining there a couple of times but rarely were they ever the best team, Manny? I'm not I sure. I don't remember. The, the only sure. time they had the only time I remember they actually had home court advantage was that 
03 first round series against the Lakers, and yeah, that was which, that was the four five matchup, which uh, doesn't really count because the Lakers, right. I think, again were coming back from injuries, right? To, and, and I think you know they had the seed over the Lakers in 04, but only because who'd missed half? Somebody missed half the year. Well, that, that was the year the Lakers had. That was the year they got Peyton and Malone, the 03 04 year. Yeah, and uh, Malone had missed a lot of games, but I I remember that 03 year. Wasn't it like the Wolves could have ended up with a better matchup like Portland or somebody in that first round, but Portland ended up losing on the last day of the season, and that put the Lakers up into that fifth spot, and, and the I Wolves ended up getting stuck stuck with the Lakers. <laughs> so it's like, hey, all these years you've been in the playoffs, you finally have home court yeah, in the first was, round. Here's Shaq and Kobe. Good luck. Yeah, you know, it was like it, it, it's much like the, uh, you know, Guardy's record in the playoffs and the Twins uh, – you know the Twins uh, losing all those first round games against how can they the Yankees jinx? There was never a Yankees jinx. The Yankees were even better. When the, even when the Twins had a better record, the Yankees were better. Right. And uh, and you know the one year that the Twins should have won was '06, and uh, they they got beat by Oakland. And, uh, and, uh, and That's a noon, the one I still can't understand on, though. On a noon <laughs> game on a Tuesday, uh, Barry Zito. Ate him up, and they beat they and beat Johan. got hot with the bat. Yeah, that, and uh, they lost that game, and then that that team had played great. Although, again, I think their game two starter was Boof Bonzer, That's right? right. Because yeah. they'd lost Frankie Liriano. So, and the, the the Wolves, you always, you know, you were always hopeful that they could win a series, but uh, never, uh, you couldn't do it. But. Uh, Flip, uh, he did get fired, and he got a little upset the second year. Uh, after they'd been to the finals, he got fired in January. But I think in retrospect, he would admit that they just stopped playing for him for some reason. Yeah. You know, Sam 10 and Spree years. were mad about their contracts, and Wally yeah. wasn't starting, well, so he was mad. And you know. I, I always thought, I love Flip, but I always thought Flip. You know, he got very mad at Kevin because Kevin fired him, and they ended up having a – I don't think they ever really patched it up. But I always thought, Flip, you were coaching in the CBA. Your old buddy <laughs> from a college brought you up here, and you got ten years in the NBA. Plus, then you got, then you coached the Detroit Pistons, and made a, uh, you know, made the Eastern, made the finals, and we're making four million bucks a year. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I could never, uh, but Eastern you know, conference finals, they got to Eastern conference every finals. year, I think under flip. Yeah. I thought they made the final. No, that's right. They he got fired. Cause they did make the final. Yeah. Right? Cause they got, well, there was the one year where LeBron, LeBron and the Cavs beat them. I think that was 07. Mm -hmm. uh, but flip made the conference finals every year with Detroit. And that was cause flip took over for Larry Brown. Cause Larry Brown went to the sure. finals twice and then yes. he left and flip took over. Yeah, well, Flip, anyway, being honored tonight, and I'm sure uh, those the, they got some sneakers going on, man. Yeah. I saw uh, Jerry Zagota tweeted out a picture of the one, like, Carl Anthony Towns. And with the size of Carl's feet, you got a lot of room to put artwork on them. <laughs> and uh, they got Flip and Carl Anthony Towns with their arms around each other, basically, on the sneaker. So, uh uh, they some uh, outfit out in L.A. Some shoe designer made made shoes for everybody on the team. Apparently, so that's yeah. uh, that, that's pretty neat. So, you know what Flip's first coaching job was, Manny? 
Where was that? Golden Valley Lutheran Junior College. Wow. Joe, Golden Valley Lutheran, uh, right out there on Highway 55. It's now the Perpich Art. It was became the Perpich Art School mm-hmm. for years right there. It's right off 100 and uh, on 55, uh, a little bit uh, west. And uh, they, they started up a junior college there, Golden Valley Lutheran, and they had a guy who wanted the basketball, and they hired Flip. And Flip had a machine, man. Flip, they were great. They'd score 120 a night <laughs> and uh, up and down the court, and uh, they were uh, they were uh, pr- pretty good. I, I don't know how long they lasted. They might, the school might have lasted about 10 years, but Flip was their first coach out there at Golden Valley Lutheran. And uh, I remember taking the phone calls on, uh, you know, at the St. Paul newspaper with the Golden Valley Lutheran results. It was, uh, it was that was his first job. And uh, Eric Musselman is uh, he doing a he's he's so much his dad as far as these. As he, he pointed out, he's had four transfers every year. I was going to ask you if he has kind of the same uh, temperament as his, as his dad did as a coach and everything. I think. A little more reasonable, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but but very fiery. Yeah, I wouldn't. I uh, I've asked a friend of mine who officiates that league, and he says, ah, he'll give you some help, but you can talk to him, you know. Yeah. And Bill was, you know, Bill was kind of that way too. He'd flip out, but he wouldn't. You know, he'd get teed up, but he wouldn't. He could he could stop too. But uh, Eric is Eric's uh, not i loved his dad i i I really did but he's not quite as out to lunch as his dad was that's for sure but he's uh he's doing a hell of a job in nevada and they gave him and they signed him to a new contract you know that when they signed him to a new contract i think it was a million a year and they said he was the highest paid public employee in the state of nevada wow how about that so uh, UNLV uh, obviously doesn't have the high-powered uh, basketball coach right now. They got that Menzies guy, who's actually doing a pretty good job. But UNLV's Tark- been kind of quiet since but, since Tark left. Oh, right? quite a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they haven't really had really great teams. Raleigh Massimino came out there and couldn't get her done. So yeah. All right, we uh, shall return. Uh, have a good time tonight at uh, Target Center, folks. Uh, and uh, hope this is a m- very important game for uh, for our Timberwolves because uh, what hap- what comes up after the uh, All Star game is not good as far as and a very beatable are opponent too. Yes, you got to beat these guys. Let Isaiah Thomas do what he wants to do and uh, beat the rest of them. All right, we'll be back. John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update is sponsored by Walgreens. Switch your Medicare Part D prescriptions to Walgreens and start saving today with copays as low as $0 on select plans with Tier 1 generics. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Olympic news. Uh, I feel weird uh, this week with Olympic news because everything yes, I have is always yesterday. Yeah, it's always ten hours old. But yes, you know right. what are you going to do? You should be writing it for the next day's newspaper. That was really <laughs> oh, fun. God. No thanks. Yeah. You're hacking out stuff that'll appear tomorrow. Right now, quiz time. What time is it right now in Pyeongchang, Patrick? Uh, come on, can, come on. I can come get on. it for you. Come on, hurry up. Let's <laughs> I gotta go. Look at my, I gotta do the look math. At, I got to look at my deal. No, I'm not doing the math. I got my world <laughs> clock. Seven thirty-four a.m. Thank you, sir. Uh, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, U- USA, Canada, women's hockey. Well, but yeah. in uh, Pyongyang, yeah. it's uh, 8.04. 8.04. 
Thirty There's, minute difference. Yeah, the half hour thing. The little guy with the bad haircut says, "We ain't having the same time as those." <laughs> he does what he wants. Yes. Right. <laughs> USA Canada women's hockey got a little rough last night. They're the two favorite teams in the Olympics. Oh, did we uh, get feisty with each other? Yeah, they They're did. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Throwdown. Even at the uh, the end of the game, uh, there was a mad flurry by the U.S. Canada won two to one. Uh, U.S. was trying to tie it, and basically after the final uh, whistle, we had a little. Uh, we had a little fisticuffs going on. Are they replaying? Is that what they're yeah, replaying that, right now? Yeah. The sports on, are yeah. we going to suspend anybody? I doubt it, no. Okay. 2-1 uh, Canada, which is good because uh, that means it'll be 2-1 U.S. in the gold medal game. Because <laughs> when this whole thing starts, you know they're going to play each other. They have yeah. every year in history. These gals are seriously fun to watch. They've got fantastic skills. And there's nothing more fun than looking in the penalty box and seeing this demure little girl <laughs> with makeup and whatever going, Oh, me? I didn't do any wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Then she goes out in the ice and stomps somebody. I miss the days of girls' hockey when they had a goalie who would watch the puck come right down and go through her skates. That doesn't happen anymore. They could be going about four miles an hour and go, oh, shucks. No, these ladies have serious skills. Oh, yeah. They're fun to watch. It's increased uh, skill. Incredible. So much uh, so, yeah. The uh, gal playing in this very game that they lost 2-1 to one, uh, is a gal from Andover, where I live. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, Maddie uh, Rooney is her name, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of my son's. That's the only reason I know that. Oh, uh, how? F- uh, never mind. Well, just they're friends, Kenny. Okay. They went, went to school together. Okay. okay. Say hi to each other. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, uh, Austrian Marcus Scherer, did you see this, uh, competes in snowboard cross. He suffered basically what they're calling a, bro- a broken neck. It was oh. a fifth oh, cervical yeah. vertebrae oh. fracture. Oh. Well, he did get up, though, from it. Uh, the Australian Olympic Committee said the 30-year-old share was in stable condition, didn't suffer any neurological issues. He's a three-time Olympian. He got high off a jump and landed on his back with such force that his goggles flew off. Laid on his back for a couple of minutes before he got up on his own. In an earlier on Thursday, he also injured his elbow. Uh, he should be okay, but the Australian uh, Austrian excuse me, Olympic Committee said Scherer would return to Austria for more evaluation. And Wait till the pot wears off. He will be very pain. <laughs> he will be in much pain. Uh, your medal count at this point. Norway has the most medals at 17. Six of Go Norsky! Germany has the most gold with nine, and the U.S. is fifth overall. They have eight medals, five of those gold medals. Bring back East Germany. <laughs> they used to kick ass in the uh, winter games. Uh, Gopher Center Reggie Lynch said today he will accept his expulsion from the University of Minnesota, although he said he had been falsely accused of sexual misconduct. Lynch and his attorney, Ryan Pasiga, said they didn't think Lynch could get a fair hearing in today's atmosphere. That means, of course, his uh, career at the U on court and off court is over. Uh, the comment he made to reporters, I did not commit any of the acts I'm accused of. In today's climate, people automatically assume you're guilty. I'm angry. There's no way to defend myself. The dreams of the Final Four are pretty well gone now, I would have to say. Yeah. For the uh, We were going to go, remember when we were the sneaky uh, pick for the Final uh, Four? Yeah. So that was a while back. A big win for the Gophers women's team last yes! night. Yes! They beat number 23, Michigan, 93-87. to 87. Uh, That helps them both in the Big Ten and, of course, in a bid uh, for the NCAA tournament. Godiva Hubbard scored two baskets in the final three minutes to help the Gophers, and Kanisha Bell made three free throws in the final 30 seconds to help. That, by the way, was their 20th win 
of the season. Yeah, they're going to the tournament. Nice they're going to the tournament. Well, this year they actually put their hand in front of somebody. Uh, <laughs> they don't just say, come on, go in and shoot a layup. That's fine. <laughs> so her name is Godiva? Godiva. That is Godiva. cool. That is a good, I wonder if they, I love that. I wonder if Mom knew about Lady Godiva. Well, it's, she was kind of a harlot. It's actually spelled different than Lady oh, okay. Godiva. Okay. It's G-A. D I V A. So yeah, she she brought porn to the old Roman Empire. <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have brought it up. To be honest with you, I just thought right. it was a nice name. It is a nice name. <laughs> All right, uh, Hillary Lucky. When we come back. The 2018 Venture Bank Minnesota Golf Show returns to the Minneapolis Convention Center tomorrow through Sunday. Today's your last day to buy tickets in advance and receive over $470 in value. Each paid advance ticket will receive 19 free greens, free passes, and a choice of golf shirt. Offer ends at midnight to purchase tickets. Head to minnesotagolfshow.com. Be able to meet Hillary Lucky at the Venture Bank Golf Show this weekend, the 2003 U.S. Women's Open champion. Hillary, how are those three daughters of yours behaving themselves? <laughs> uh, well, depends on the moment that you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about right now? Are they doing right okay? Now, they're supposed to be making themselves dinner, so I'll have to go check on that in a little bit. Check that. Uh, all right. What are what are the ages? What are the ages now? Uh, they're ten, eight, and five. Okay. anybody uh, Did anybody get a golf club in their hand yet, or not? Yeah, yeah. My ten and eight year old have been doing junior golf for a couple of years, and my five year old will start this summer. I think my middle daughter might have the most interest, but uh, still to wait, waiting to be seen. And your uh, husband, Tyler, uh, Tyler Lunky, of course, he was a player at Stanford, and then your, your caddy and your husband. He's, uh, is, he, is he a player? Does he play? Uh, does he got a club around town? Does he play a lot or not? Uh, yeah, uh, well, these days neither of us are playing very much just with the girls and kind of the phase of life we're in. But, yeah, definitely, he's still a great player. He's, uh, he's a, a great scramble player these days. You know, he can hit it far off the tee, and then he's a great putter. So. <laughs> Uh, just a little tends to be a little wild, so it's nice to uh, play in those kinds of events where you can just forget about the bad shots and use someone else's. But uh, that's that's his kind of game uh, these days. But definitely, both of us look forward to playing together as a family and getting back to playing more uh, once we're kind of out of the crazy kid phase. Well, uh, now uh, I should, this is probably a personal question, but it doesn't look good for adding a boy to the family, then, huh? I don't think so anymore. No, I think we've uh, I think we've moved on from that. But you never know. <laughs> All right, Hillary uh, was a fantastic uh, high school player. As uh, Hillary Holmeyer at Edina, her and Kalen Anderson were the uh, d dynamic duo out there. <laughs> Kalen went to Duke. Uh, Hillary went to Stanford. Is Kalen back in town? She is not. She's actually the head women's golf coach at the University of South Carolina. Oh, okay. And good. has really, yeah, she's uh, uh, been a fantastic coach and has developed a great program there. So she's definitely uh, still around golf all the time, but not in the area. Do you see her at a class reunion once in a while or not? Uh, we make a point to see each other at least once a year. She usually comes back up here for Christmas, um, or she was actually just here this fall for the um, Annika Invitational um, out at um, Olympic Hills. So I got to see her for that, and we always make I always make a point that 
at some point during the year we see each other and kind of uh, relive some of the old fun golf stories together. So, uh, Hillary, it does not offend you to have your uh, victory in 2003 at Pumpkin Ridge described as one of the greatest upsets in golf history, I take it. <laughs> no, that does not offend me. I'll take it any which way it, it came. <laughs> any which way you want to call it, I'll, I'll take the victory. You know, I, I like to, uh, some people will call it a fluke, and then that kind of bothers me because yes. I think, you know what? I stood over that putt and knew I had to make it to win. It's not like I finished three hours earlier and then everybody else dogged it coming in and I sort of won and didn't realize it. You know, I knew I had to make it and I did. So a fluke bothers me, but I'll call it a one-hit wonder. I'm okay with that. Well, I I, I looked it up again, uh, you know, to prepare for this, and you had 12 one-putt greens in the playoff on Monday. Did you ever roll it better than you did that day? Um, You know, I I can't think of another time that I putted better over the course of a whole tournament. I do think I had a couple. I, I know the statistics sound kind of crazy for that day, but I, I did have a lot of putts from the fringe. So um, it wasn't quite as okay. spectacular as the stats sound, but uh, I definitely putted well. It's definitely the uh, best I ever putted over the course of a whole week, that's for sure. I can think of a few rounds where my put- putter got uh, even hotter than that, but not in a sustained way the way it did that week. Was that uh, always kind of the strength of your game? Yeah, it was for the most part. Uh, as a professional, definitely that was the strength of my game. I think I really developed my short game in college. My uh, coach was really just a huge advocate of always being able to fall back on your short game, and then you'd have those great weeks when all of a sudden your long game hit, but that you needed to just have a really reliable part of your game. And so I think I developed it there. Actually, when I first started golf as a teenager, ball striking was probably – my strong suit, and I used to actually struggle with putting a little bit more, but I think once I devoted time and energy and realized, hey, this is the part of the game that, that you can count on, uh, and you put the work in and you're going to see the results, then uh, that definitely developed into the best part of my game. Well, uh, now last Sunday at Pebble Beach, uh, Ted Potter Jr., a little chubby guy, uh, was playing against the greatest-looking athlete of all time, Dustin Johnson, uh, giving up 50 yards off the tee, and he beat beat him in the, at Pebble Beach on the last day, and you get you became used to giving up a lot of yards off the tee, right out there at the, as as things progressed with the as women got longer and longer off the tee. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was I think I think the year I left the tour, I was the um, shortest hitter on the LPGA tour, and certainly was within the bottom handful the whole time of my career. So I was never a long hitter, uh, and you know what. It, it definitely, yeah, of course it's a huge advantage if you, if you can be long off the tee, but it's not the whole part of the game. And, um, you, you know, you saw that last weekend, and you saw that when I won. And um, I, a short game is really over half the game, and it can make a, a huge difference, obviously. And, um, yeah, I, I do think it had a lot to do with why I did eventually have to leave the tour, though. I think the way that courses have um, are being set up and just, the style, of course, that um, is being built now just tends to require length off the tee as opposed to making length an advantage. So I um, would love playing at kind of old, traditional type of courses where it would take driver out of the hand of some of the longest hitters, and then that's when I could really compete. But um, for the most part, the types of courses that we were playing uh, in the years when I was leaving the tour were, were a lot more of those resort-type courses with the wider fairways where Pretty much, you know, every single par four and par five, everyone was getting to hit driver, and then that was really difficult for me to compete against. 
Hillary Lucky is with us, 2003 uh, U.S. Women's Open champion. Uh, you hit some magical fairway woods that week too. Uh, when some of, <laughs> when some of the other gals were hitting five irons, you were hitting some fairway woods in there pretty good. Yeah, I think um, an eleven wood was a pretty rare thing back then. Yes. Um, these days, you see it a little more commonly, and of course, hybrid clubs have sure. taken over. But um, yeah, I just like I said, you know, being a shorter hitter, I found that most of my approach shots that I was having to hit uh, in any turn that I was in kind of fell in that 150 to 180 yard range, and so I tried to have a repertoire of uh, clubs in that area so that I could, you know, hit the higher, softer shots when I needed to, and not have to count on, you know, bumping a, a four or five iron to bounce it onto the green. So are you, uh, have you been involved in the golf business uh, at all? Has Alyssa, got, Alyssa Heron gotten you out there to play double, uh, play pairs or anything? Or, <laughs> I mean, have, uh, have, have you, you know, somebody calls you over, you give them some tips on the driving range, or don't you do any of that stuff? You know, I'm just not around it too much these days because of the kids. Like I said, Alyssa has, uh, has gotten me a few opportunities. I'll do corporate events every now and then, and I still love to be around the game. I love um, talking to people about it, love going out and when I do have those opportunities, and like I said, look forward to returning to it a little more when I can. And, you know, things like the golf show this weekend are a great chance for me to kind of get my hand in it again and remind people what a fun game golf could be. Well, uh, Hillary, uh, one of the I remember uh, when you were in high school and I went out and uh, walked the golf course right during a, I think you guys were having a dual meet against Edina. You and Kalen Anderson were the two best players in the state, and that was kind of unfair back then when you guys would have a just a just a <laughs> dual match with another team. Edina, Edina was pretty uh, pretty tough to beat back then. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had a, a great team. It was. Um awesome for me when I was really had gotten started with golf pretty late and, and needed, I think, that kind of an atmosphere to have someone pushing me to get better and better and um, gave me great competition even within my own team to develop my game to the point where I was able to go on and play collegiately and professionally. Hey, Hillary, thanks for your time and have a good time this weekend at the Venture Bank Golf Show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a lot of people out there. Okay, thanks. Thanks. All right, uh, Hillary Lunky, great gal, and uh, I, uh, you know, go back to high school watching her play. So we shall return. On this day in history, February 15, 1998, Dale Earnhardt Sr., after 20 years of trying, won his first Daytona 500. And, of course, three years later on that same track, attempting to win on the last turn, he uh, went straight into the wall and uh, wound up being killed. Like, that's the last Daytona 500 I covered. And uh, it was a, uh, you know, it was nobody even thought much of it until uh, the moment. But anyway, on this day in 1998, he won his only Daytona 500. The Intimidator in that black painted number three, one of the great cars of all time. We shall return with the Ride with Race. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. 
TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.